Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I post episodes twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays on whatever strikes my fancy. So welcome. In today's episode, I'll be exploring whether it is possible to be a white ethno-nationalist without being rabidly racist. I became interested in the topic of ethno-nationalism about two years ago after being introduced to the work of Jordan Peterson, a Canadian professor of psychology and YouTube personality that's arguably best known for his book, 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos. Now, make of that what you will. I'm not trying to connect any dots, just saying it like it is. So recently, I have spent some time thinking about ethno-nationalism. And this is partly on the back of the recent conviction of Derek Chauvin for the murder of George Floyd. And after a year in which the Black Lives Matter movement took the world by storm and led to the most racially fraught U.S. presidential election in recent memory, with racial tensions now at an all-time high in Europe and North America. As a result, the idea that the white race is somehow under attack, necessitating a defense of white identity, and even the creation of white ethnostates has become attractive to many white people. And this is partly as a backlash against the rise of BLM, let's be honest. They argue that white people have a right to a white identity and should not be labeled racist for saying so. So white ethno-nationalism is on the rise, even among historically moderate people. And indeed, the FBI have flagged that white supremacist terrorists who are often linked to ideologies around ethnostates are currently the greatest threat to American democracy. So I became interested in the question, Is it possible for decent and reasonable people to support turning Europe and North America into white ethnostates? Is it possible to be a serious white ethno-nationalist, that is, one who supports fascist governments implementing draconian laws to prevent the so-called white replacement without being rabidly racist? Is it possible to be a quote-unquote good white ethno-nationalist? So first, let's go over some definitions before we get into the meat of the discussion so that we're on the same page. I'll be using Black and Asian people as an umbrella term for non-white people and Europeans or white interchangeably, just to keep it simple. A white ethno-nationalist is a person who believes that white people should maintain homelands that are homogeneously, that is, almost entirely, if not entirely, white Racist, I've taken straight from the dictionary, and is a person that is prejudiced against or antagonistic towards a person or people on the basis of their membership of a particular racial or ethnic group, typically one that is a minority or marginalized. That last part is important because these days, if you are campaigning for equality or more representation for minorities, some will claim that you are being racist against the majority and more powerful group which goes against the very definition of racism. It is of course perfectly reasonable for white people to take as much pride in their heritage and culture as any other ethnicity. And indeed they do, 
when they celebrate holidays and events like Thanksgiving, Labor Day, Memorial Day, the 4th of July, Christmas, St. George's Day, and lots of other European holidays that I probably have no clue about. So it is disingenuous to pretend that white people are somehow being prevented from celebrating their heritage and culture or being labeled racist when they do so. The Great Replacement Theory is a white nationalist theory which states that white European populations are being demographically and culturally replaced with non-Europeans, meaning at some point T in time, they will no longer be our quote-unquote genetically homogenous European population, while black and Asian ethnicities will continue to thrive within their unique identities and cultures. An important element of the replacement theory is that white ethno-nationalists are adamant that immigration reform cannot stem the tide. They argue that even if all immigration into European homelands was stopped today, completely and permanently, it would not be enough to avoid the so-called white replacement, whereby ethnically white populations are replaced due to their lower than average birth rates. So in order to turn Europe and North America into ethnostates, it would necessitate the majority, if not all people not of ethnically European descent, to be removed from these countries, whether voluntarily or by force. Please bear this in mind because it is important that we set the boundaries of the discussion and recognize that the so-called solutions proposed by white ethno-nationalists to achieve their ends cannot be implemented without a descent into brutal fascist regimes on a global scale. And finally, it's worth mentioning that scholars have generally dismissed the claims of a great replacement as being rooted in an exaggerated reading of immigration statistics and unscientific racist views. But let's, for the sake of argument, say that the theory has merit, but perhaps just has an extended event horizon. That is, it will happen much later than currently being predicted. So those are some basic definitions. Now let's also get some guiding principles out of the way because this is a complex topic and I want to share some context on what I personally believe as a background. Going back to the topic at hand, as to whether you can be a serious ethno-nationalist and not be racist, it is important to make the distinction between believing in ethno-nationalism theoretically and wanting to bring about white ethnostates in the 21st century. The former is not the subject of this debate. In fact, I will go so far as to say it is something that I personally do not take issue with. So I believe in theory in the existence of of ethnostates. And that is because I believe diversity within the human race is indeed a good and reasonable ideal. We fight to preserve diversity in flora and fauna. We get upset when a species of butterfly is under threat of extinction. How much more should we value diversity within the human race? Indeed, many Black and Asian nations are more or less ethnostates, where the majority of the population have a shared ethnicity and there is little appetite for high levels of immigration or diversity campaigns. That is perfectly fine in my opinion, provided they treat minority populations fairly. So let's define the problem. The problem that white ethno-nationalists are trying to articulate is that white people are being outbred in their homelands of Europe 
North America, that is US and Canada, Australia, New Zealand, due to immigration of non-Europeans and low birth rates in white populations. For the sake of clarity, in my personal opinion, only Europe qualifies as a European homeland, as all the rest were forcefully taken from the indigenous populations in genocidal campaigns, which we'll discuss in more detail later. But for the sake of argument, let's say that all these are European homelands, but we will focus today's discussion on Europe and North America. I once again invite you to remember that ethno-nationalists do not believe that stopping immigration dead in its tracks today would solve the problem. Only the removal of non-whites from so-called European homelands will do the job. So what is the solution to the problem of white replacement? This depends on what you believe to be the cause of this so-called replacement. Is it deliberate or is it just the result of myriad historic events that cannot be tied to any one single cause? The first school of thought suggests that the mass migration of non-Europeans to Europe and North America happened inadvertently as a result of historical events including slavery, imperialism, and to a lesser extent, trade and migration in the normal course of interaction between different groups. If you belong to this school of thought, any solutions will be highly complex. You are obliged to be moderate in your stance because it's impossible to blame Black and Asian people for historical factors that are not of their own making. Indeed, it can be argued that the historical factors can almost entirely be placed at the door of Europeans. Because prior to the 20th century, there is no history of significant numbers of Black and Asian people leaving their shores to immigrate to Europe or elsewhere. The vast majority of contact was initiated by Europe Europeans leaving their shores in a campaign of imperialism that resulted in a brutal era of exploitation of Black and Asian people. From the 20th century onwards, this trend continues and is further exacerbated by war, most notably the war on terror in Iraq and Afghanistan. More recently, the Arab Spring, which led to the destruction of a number of Arab and African countries like Syria, Libya, Morocco, Algeria, and Yemen, resulting in an exodus of refugees to the West. It should be noted that the vast majority of immigration is legal and sanctioned by European and American governments. Now, if you accept that as a premise, then the conversation has to take a different flavor to avoid combative and hateful rhetoric. Because if Black and Asian people didn't create the problem, then it makes sense to take a moderate and benign approach to any proposed solutions. So you can see how this presents a problem for ethno-nationalists. It's a weak political stance to take because there is no moral high ground upon which white Europeans can demand change. And yet, this is a discussion, if any ever did, that requires a moral high ground because it is so difficult, so fraught, and the pro-solutions, that is mass, mass forced removal of non-Europeans from Europe and North America, are very controversial, painful, brutal. Without a moral high ground, it is not possible to win hearts and minds and reach the critical mass necessary to drive the change you would want to see. So it is not politically expedient for white ethno-nationalists to say that the so-called Great Replacement is being brought about inadvertently due to historical factors 
not instigated by black and Asian people for the most part. Indeed, any moderate approaches are untenable as they would be too little, too late to stop the so-called white replacement, which is ostensibly scheduled for 2066. Lol. So, if it's not happening inadvertently due to historical factors, is it then deliberate? A deliberate harmful action requires a villain, an instigator, an architect. In other words, some person or group has deliberately engineered events so that non-Europeans immigrate to European homelands to displace white people. Who would this architect be? Is it black and Asian people? Quite simply, no. They have no, they've not historically and do not currently have the power to influence imperialism, colonialism, modern warfare, and immigration policies that have resulted in sizable populations of black and Asian people in Europe and North America. It's as simple as that. Is it Europeans themselves? Why would they deliberately enact policies resulting in their own replacement? Is it economic greed, short-sightedness, some moral failure? Possibly, but rarely do white ethno-nationalists accept any blame for the current state of affairs. In fact, any attempt to re-examine the historical events in question, be it slavery or imperialism, are met with claims that history is being rewritten, that white people were no worse than any other group in this respect, and in fact that they are the real heroes of the tale because they abolished the slave trade and have been a consistent force for advancement of a more progressive and enlightened society. So is it some other group? Well, according to white ethno-nationalists, apparently yes. They have settled on another group to blame for an allegedly deliberate campaign to replace white people in their homelands. They have many names for this group, but the most common ones are globalists, neo-Marxists, communists, international elites, international bankers, etc., etc., etc. So who are these neo-Marxists and why on earth would they want to replace the white man? What is the link between an ill-famed political and economic theory and this one group? How is this relevant in a world that is almost entirely capitalist? Once you start asking these questions, a pattern begins to emerge, or perhaps more accurately, a series of inconsistencies that reveal that neo-Marxists or globalists, etc., is just code for something else, for a specific group of people that have emerged as the frontrunners in the blame game of the white replacement theory. So whether you fall on the extreme left or the extreme right of the political spectrum, whether capitalist or communist, Christian, Muslim, or atheist, this group can and has been used as a convenient scapegoat. White ethno-nationalists argue that this small group of people that makes up just 2% of the U.S. population and 0.2% of the world's population is endowed with the intelligence and almost supernatural levels of influence that have enabled them to dominate the entire world and cause white people to act against their own self-interests. They insist that the higher than IQ average, that higher than average IQ, which has allowed the so-called international elites to dominate Western man, 
is innately tied to evil or evil attributes like avarice and degeneracy and a desire to sow chaos. In other words, they have to demonize an entire group of people in order to sell this idea. This is a bold charge, the stuff of comic book villains, and not to be banal, but it is the stuff of conspiracy theories. A more reasonable person might look at the record of history and argue that actually, the exodus of black and Asian people is largely due to the actions of Europeans themselves, driven by capitalist greed, political ambition, and a desire for power, with a dash of altruism later in the 20th century to avert human crises from wars, some of which they themselves instigated. That is what the history books show. But this answer is unacceptable to white ethno-nationalists. They blame everyone except themselves, and they save their most extreme rage for one group above all others. A useful illustration of white supremacists' tendency to deny reality is their ability to declare that the Holocaust never happened, and in the very next breath to vow, but given the chance, we will make it happen today. So in conclusion, in my opinion, it is not possible to be a quote-unquote good white ethno-nationalist. It is not possible to argue in good conscience for fascist governments to eject black and Asian people from the West in order to create a white ethno-state. Indeed, you have to simultaneously hold deeply racist, racist views in order to justify such a position. Thanks for listening. Give us a like and subscribe to the channel if you enjoyed this episode. And follow me on Twitter at SKentaro, that's E-S-S-K-E-N-T-A-R-O, to continue the conversation. I hope you'll be back for the next episode. Goodbye for now.